Before we get into another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast, we want to say thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your prayers, support, and encouragement. We also want to send a special thanks to our monthly financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to equip college students at historically black colleges and universities and facilitate seminars for pastors and leaders because of your financial support. If the Jude 3 Project has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a monthly partner. No gift is too small or large, whether you give one time or monthly. We appreciate it. You can give online at jude3project.com by hitting the donate button or by mail by sending your gift to Jude 3 Project at P.O. Box 26206, Jacksonville, Florida, 32226. Thanks again. Now let's join the Jude 3 Project podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Jude 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jude 3 Project. Well, we're live for another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, Abba. Uh, I met Abba a few uh, months ago uh, through RZIM, and he was gracious enough uh to to accept my uh request for him to be on the podcast so welcome abba i'm gonna allow you to pronounce your full name because i don't want to mess it up (laughs) no problem Uh, so my full name is abba siano udafa but everybody calls me abba awesome so for our audience tell them a little bit about yourself um let's see so i i'm a nigerian american um grew up in the dc area I currently live in Hartford, Connecticut. I work for a company called Pratt & Whitney. Uh, we make airplane engines. I studied at the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics last year um, through Oxford University and RZIM. Awesome. So you're very passionate about apologetics. And uh, we talked about the subject that we're going to be talking about a little bit uh, while I was up in D.C. And you were asking me a question um, when we were talking about the white man's religion and people's objections to that. Yep. And one of the objections is when we give the uh, North African church fathers uh, that the that Africans that were in the transatlantic slave trade didn't come from North Africa. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of a response. And so I also recently was um, saw on my timeline that some people are leaving Christianity for West African religion yeah, um, yeah. because they feel like that's the, their, their, uh, their I guess, religion that they should have had if the slave masters had taken it mm-hmm. from them. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, when did you see that this was a disconnect when you were talking about early African-American Christianity? Early African Christianity, I'm sorry, in North yeah. Africa, when trying to uh, talk about the white man's religion. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I saw it as a disconnect. Um, well, one, just kind of like you said, listening to other people, 
when they talk about it, a lot of times, you know, definitely Christianity was on the African continent um, before, you know, Europeans came to West Africa and pre the slave trade. But then uh, a lot of times, you know, sub-Saharan Africa is where a lot of the melanin Africans, black people came from. So it's like um, people, at least for me, when I hear conversations, people sometimes point that out saying, you know, hey, um, but that wasn't what the black people <laughs> were, were believing in, I guess you can say. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful and something that we have to wrestle through. Yeah. We're talking about this question of is Christianity the white men's religion? Because the go-to is often North Africa, Athanasius, Augustine, Tertullian, yeah. Clement of Alexandria. Yeah. All of that, the Ethiopia North Africa, sometimes as well. Yeah, know. Ethiopia, uh, Coptic Church. Um, that's the go-to. But then when it comes to West Africa, we don't kind of talk about those and now seeing people really go back to those religions. What are what are some of those that you're familiar with, the West African religions? Um, just kind of some, I know it's way too many. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can describe even trying to navigate that first before you go into some of the religions sure. that are, are there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of like you said, again, when you say West African religions, you know, West Africa has 16 countries and a lot of the countries hold multiple tribal groups. So a lot of times when people speak about um, West African religions, I think it's more properly said like traditional indigenous tribal religions, right? Because because most of the tribal groups had their ways that they viewed God engaged with the spiritual. And so I think that's kind of a better way to kind of to, to break it down. And then I think as well, when we talk about, you know, like just indigenous tribal religions and trying to understand what, what we mean by religion, I think it's really different from the way we might talk about religion now, because I think one of the main differences is, a lot of the indigenous ways of, you know, relating to God, they weren't, it wasn't codified. So it wasn't written down in a book, right? So it was more so, um, it was oral traditions passed down from generations to generations, right? So that's why I think a lot, one of the things you'll see across the board in a lot of West African religions, and I would say even African religion more broadly is a high respect for ancestors, right? So people really, really respect their ancestors because a lot of times that's, you know, that maintain the family community, right? And so, um, but some of the ones that uh, I'm familiar with in, in Nigeria, my people are from Akwaibom, right? And so that's a, a smaller tribe in Nigeria, um, close to the Atlantic Ocean, where uh, essentially you can say like we're in like Southern Nigeria. Um, so, you know, a lot of things that were, were common in some of the West African religions were, um, a lot of them believed in a supreme being, right? A being that was very, very great. Usually the supreme being is um, attributed with creating the world. And then there were that supreme being, sometimes there were lesser deities. Like I said before, there was um, one of some of the things that I think are uniform is, you know, beliefs in ancestors. And then as well, there were usually like different societies that kind of came up amongst the tribal groups that people weren't part of, right? So, like, in a quiet room, there was something called the Ekbe Society. And, you know, that is kind of something that most people believed in or were a part of. 
Right? If you go, you know, a little up north, you have the Yoruba people, and you know they had um, Ife divinations, and they as well had, you know, their supreme being was the um, Oluron, and that was like the big supreme being, and then there were lesser beings, the Orishas, like that's if you kind of go to the Yoruba. So that's kind of, you know, and then you can turn over and then you can go to the, to the Igbo people in Nigeria. They also had, um, you know, a different way of viewing God, different names for God in different um, societies. So is it fair to say that, I know there's this idea in, in many, um, in young uh, millennials mind of being more spiritual uh, and not religious is that would that be a way to kind of uh, categorize the what the more tribal uh, religions were they more so spiritual and not like maybe sh structure as um, we would say Christianity would be in some senses. Uh, I, I would say that I guess I would say yes and no, right? Yes, in the in the sense of um most west africans are very very like they have a high respect for the spiritual right and the sacred i think one of the differences in in the west we really really strive for a separation of church and state right we don't want them to to align to touch you know we should be free to do you know what, what we want to do but i think when you turn over um now in west african religions a lot of times it's there's that separation is hard for, you know, Africans to think of, right? So it's almost like religion permeates every part of life. It permeates economics. It permeates, you know, government. It's, so it's, it's, it's a lot of times people don't think with that strict separation of church and state or, you know, religion and the way I live the rest of my life. It's more integrated in that way. So there is a, definitely, I think, a, a higher, a higher respect for the spiritual but, you know, there's also not that that strict division that we try to strive for in the West, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you navigate that, um, Dylan, um, from an apologetics perspective, when you're talking to people and, and they discount the North African church fathers uh, or that, that, uh, that objection to them isn't sufficient and they kind of, you know, lean into more tribal uh beliefs what what is what is your way of navigating that uh one of the ways that I, I try to navigate that is um really looking specifically at the ways that christianity came to west africa right because i one i find that a lot of people are just not very familiar with the process and then so one way people they usually focus on you know the western or european discovery of Africa. And then that's what they fixate on and say, okay, it, it's because of that, that there's Christianity. But what I try to tell people to do is if you actually focus on the indigenous, you know, West African discovery of Christianity, then you would see a very different story emerge of it being the white uh, man's religion. Cause I think the thing that there's lots of things that stand out, but I would say maybe the three prominent things are one, the, um, translation of the Bible into African languages, I would say was the driving force for why um, West Africans accepted Christianity. Because once Christianity was translated into 
their language, it became not something that was foreign, but it became something that was your own, right? And in a lot of the translation work, you know, the indigenous names for God were kept, right? Like I said, my whole name is Abbasiano, for example. And in a lot of, you know, African names, there's always God involved, right? So a lot of people, they, they know a lot of different, I just use Nigeria, for example, right? Like when you use Abasi, A-B-A-S-I, is the meaning for God in my religion, right? So my name is Abasiano, God's gift, right? And Abasi was the, the word used for God already there. And so when you, you kept that, essentially, it was just a a, a redefinition of, okay, this is how you think of God, but, you know, the, the big supreme God is here. And then, so I think looking at, at the indigenous discovery of Christianity and kind of, you know, the things that it did in the society. And one thing I usually try to point out is if you look at West Africa today, right, there was an explosion of Christianity um, post-colonialism, right? There was something of, I think, in 1985 and onwards, there was like 16,500 16, conversions a day, right? So it's, um, <laughs> you know, Africans were turning to Christianity in mass. And so I think it's, it's somewhat disrespectful to think that it was because, you know, West Africans were stupid. They couldn't think for themselves and they just wanted to follow the white man. So I think if you actually look at why did these people turn to Christianity and, you know, look at that explanation from those lenses i found that helpful for myself and helpful helpful for other people mm -hmm. and i think that's that's interesting how you say that they um i know you probably you have a third point right yeah i don't want to like over talk your uh podcast here. oh no, <laughs> you're <good>. <laughs> <laughs> no the, your first point before before you get to your third point this yeah. the first point you made um it reminded me of paul at marcel when he talked about uh the unknown God. And he's like, yeah. you have, you kind of understand the concept of God in the concept of the unknown God, but let me give you a clearer definition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that seems like kind of what was happening in, in the translation of, of scripture yeah. to West African communities. I think that's, that's really cool, but I'll let you go with your third point that, that just struck me. At that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I think it's, 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 um, I personally, I think if you actually look at the story, it's magnificent. And then I, I think that the, the, the third point I usually try to stress with people when looking at, you know, like the Africans' um, acceptance of Christianity, right? I think that, one, there were a lot of um, Black abolitionists who also were the impetus for the spread of Christianity in West Africa. Um, that was very, very, very helpful as well. And so a lot of times people just aren't aware of the intricacies of the story of how Christianity actually came to West Africa. So I try to like, you know, put different pointers to, I would say, hopefully get people to think a little bit more critically about how Christianity actually came to West Africa, as opposed to just taking the commonly accepted story of you know, it just came from white, you know, white men or white people. And they just, it's almost like people think that, you know, Europeans came to Africa, beat Africans over the head and said, believe this thing or die. And then Africans accepted it and moved on with their lives as if, you know, we're not thinking agents <laughs> that can accept and reject things um, if, as we see fit. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's important also to know as as, as there's people who are saying we need to go back at as African Americans to tribal religions or tribal beliefs is that just because of we as a group believe that before we believe Christianity doesn't make it an an accurate belief. Like, sure. you know, <laughs> sure. I think, you know, even thinking about going back through scripture and looking at Abraham yes. and what he believed before he was exposed to to God. Um, yeah. He believed a lot of different things. Being his father being an idol maker. So yeah. there was a lot of different things of beliefs circulating around and then he's introduced to God. Um, yeah. And so there's this idea that just because you've had a belief before that you that's your that's truth i think is yeah. just a false assumption yeah and I, and i think you know even to that point I, the 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 one thing i will say in if, if people like really start reading you know some of the academic literature on west african religions right in, in the beginning i think the argument for west african re- religions was was trying to defend that there was a religious system in west africa pre colonialism and i think one of the one of the ways when europe encountered africa because they just didn't understand the lifestyle you know they would essentially just demonize the people and or say that there was no religion and sometimes they used that there's no religion there's no religious belief there's no society they use that as justification of (laughs) of that you know black people weren't human beings right so i think a lot of the early academic literature is almost trying to spell out for you, actually, no, no, we did have customs, we had societies, we had religious beliefs, like we actually were just living like regular human beings, you know, you know, pre, you know, colonialism. So I think that I, when you, if you start to engage with some of the literature, you know, you'll almost, in my mind, I say that there's that tone there almost defending, okay, listen, we had a belief, don't just, you know, call a pagan or demonize it or, you know, say that these people are crazy or whatever how people try to do it. So I think that that's, in my mind, an important thing to know, as well as, you know, especially to the truth point, for me, in a lot of these conversations, I feel people like their their feeling is that, you know, Christianity can't handle my blackness, right? It's almost like my, 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 my blackness is not necessarily Christian. And so, and then in, in, a, in a search for like, authentic blackness you try to say let's go back to what we were authentically doing beforehand and so i i usually try to say to people that christianity can actually handle your blackness um and you know if you look at what's going on now it's in a sense christianity almost i would say in in ways renewed africa and africans in ways that are beautiful right and that's just kind of what christianity does (laughs) so Yeah. I think that's good to note because I think, you know, when we talk about colonization and the demonization of Black people by Europeans, you see that, you know, with them feeling the need to convert everybody to Christianity, but Christianity on their terms, not authentic exactly. Christianity. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. And so they're trying to convert people to a false sense of truth. Um, heretical teachings about God and Jesus because yeah. they 
are still saying that black people are less than, that they're not created in the image of God. Some, they try to assert that black people didn't have souls and they were heathens and even, you know, uh, uh, the early uh, leaders of the Great Awakening, your George Whitfields and um, would assert that, you know, slavery was God's means to save heathen souls and and, and black people. Um, so that all of those those things, that history plays into why I see why people would yeah. want to forsake Christianity because they're really forsaking a false sense of Christianity, not not biblical Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's important because I mean, you know, if when when we talk about West African religious, this is a question I have for you. Um, and the conversion of is it any do the, is there any proof to show that Christianity was in West Africa at all before the transatlantic slave trade? So that's a I think we got cut off. <laughs> okay. But uh, I was saying, as far as yeah, people don't want me to answer that question, I guess. But <laughs> uh, as, as far as 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 Christianity, I think the earliest records of at least the first church in West Africa was in Ghana um, through the Portuguese, right? So. I haven't seen any um, anything, you know, historical that essentially predates Christianity in West Africa to um, to like pre-Europeans. Um, and so I, I think, but even with that being said, um, I think the key turning point, at least for Christianity in West Africa, is the translation principle. So that that translation principle is really what I I would say is <laughs> the indigenous discovery of Christianity, right? Um, but to your question, no, no, I don't, there there isn't really any um, anything that I know of historical that predates Christianity in West Africa. Who translated? Who was in charge of the translation? Um, so a, a lot of times it was linguist from, um, and, and, and I, for me, I think, you know, one of the things, I don't think it was intentional, right? But I think, so first of all, there were some um, black abolitionists, essentially like black um, recaptured slaves that were helping, that, that understood African traditional languages and that would now help translate the Bible there, right? There was also a lot of missionaries that were their work in language preservation. Um, they would kind of come into the, to, to a space, learn the languages, and then translate the Bible into um, the uh, indigenous languages, right? And so it, it's, to me, it was like an unintended consequence of that, that one, it preserved the languages, and then two, um, once you codify you know a religious belief in my language and i can see how i see the world 
you know, in that, in those stories, I think it's just a powerful way of it becoming my own. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that that's helpful to, to show that point that it was not pushed on them, but it was kind of freely accepted by. Um, and, and then I guess also to, to clarify, because sometimes some, some, some people will, will come back there are points where it was definitely pushed on, <laughs> right? Um, but I think the, that's why I say when you actually focus on the indigenous acceptance as opposed to like, it's almost like, you know, because we all have free will and free choice, you can push something on me and I can have my reasons for doing it. But then when I come to accept it as my own, I think that that's, that's the difference, right? So sometimes... And it, you can even look at the numbers of how many Christians were there pre-colonialism, during colonialism, and then post-colonialism, right? And, and that's, you'll see that they're actually, during colonialism, they're actually, the numbers of conversions were quite low compared to the numbers of conversions post-colonialism. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I meant, like, when they were free to accept it on their own without it being forced on them, it actually seemed to thrive versus when it was pushed on them. Is that absolutely. is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I want to make sure I got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so I I think that's important and I think that's helpful. I mean the the tricky thing about this conversation is that, you know, it's not you're never, I think, with this topic, going to be able to please everybody in respect to the arguments. Um, you can make arguments, but I think as the church, one of the things that we have to do to strengthen ourselves and fortify um, our foundation is to be aware that people are asking these questions and don't dismiss them and be aware that, you know, this is something that, you know, people are looking into. And this is something that we need to be able to navigate through and address and say, okay, this is the evidence. Christianity was pushed on. West Africans at the time, but you know, at, at, at post-colonialism, there was a, a a rise in numbers versus when it was forced on them. So we're not going to say it was never forced on them, but to be honest about the facts and then kind of say, you know, but Christianity was in Africa before um, the transatlantic slave trade in more Northern Africa, the Coptic church and those things but be honest about all of it. And so then it kind of gives people the freedom to ask the question and freedom to navigate that in church spaces. Yeah. Would you say? Uh, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that, you know, looking. And then I, for me, a lot, a lot of times it's just a lot of the historical material is out there for us to really, really engage in and, and get a true story, right? Because sometimes for me, I, I literally think one of the main questions for black millennials that who are Christian or non-Christian is, can it handle my blackness, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, you know, is it, and, and so I think for me, I, I really, I, I, I push people to please look at the actual historical story, not a caricature of it, right? Because lots of people caricature of it, they oversimplify it and they don't, actually know the facts right like even for me like I, I would say this i personally wanted to know for myself 
how did my family living in a Quibum, which is right next to the Atlantic Ocean, how did we become Christians, right? So my grandmother was in, she came to America. She's been here plenty of times, but she came recently last year. So I kind of sat her down to interview her to figure out, okay, you know, she's a strong, she's like the, one of the pillars of her church in the Quibum, right? So how did our family become Christian? So she told me that when my great-grandmother um, had my grandmother, she was sick of polio and she was going to die. My great-grandmother took her to the, um, to like the local, I would say the, the tribal medicine doctor and the, the, the tribal medicine doctor essentially told her, there's no hope. She's going to die. I can't do anything for you. And then my great-grandmother, she like essentially takes my grandmother, lifts her up to God and prays for her healing. Right. And she gets healed. And then my great grandmother goes into a church the next day and said, God, heal my baby. And then she gets saved. Right? And so that's how Christianity came to my mother's side of the family. Right. This is all the way back to my great grandmother. Right. So it's it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, and then just my great grandmother. This is like a, a story in our family that we tell and I've researched. It's truth. Right. Like my great grandmother used to pray so much that there would be a goat that would come to prayer every morning and sit down quietly, right? And that goat never got killed, right? It, it died and they buried the goat, right? This kid would come to and prayer and sit down every morning. So it's like, I had to go to, to my, for myself and say, when did my people become Christian? How and why, right? So I think, you know, if you actually look into the stories, look into the people, it's, it's, it's more of an intricate, you know, um, explanation than people usually give it credit for. Mm. I think that's very, very helpful um, because I think, you know, in a, in an age where we have access to a lot of information, a lot of people still don't research. Yeah. So information is at your fingertips, but people still look for easy answers. Yeah. And so, you know, memes inform us, um, sound bites inform us, um, documentaries inform us, but we don't often sit and take time to read and research and do the due diligence. What uh, books would you recommend as far as uh, that have been helpful for you in, in understanding kind of West African um, uh, religions and uh, tribal beliefs? Yep. Um, so there is a, there are a couple of books slash like academic, um, academic resources that I, I there's a, a guy at the Harvard Divinity School, his last name is Olupano. Um, so he writes a lot about traditional, well, African beliefs, but he's, he's uh, Yoruba, so he writes about traditional Yoruba beliefs. Um, so that, those have been helpful for me. Um, one of the guys who I read a lot just about the, um, how Christianity came to West Africa is a guy named Laman Sane. Right. So I was like, he has, I mean, I've probably read all of his books because they've been very helpful. I mean, the translation, the, um, the black abolitionist in Africa, a lot of that stuff is Laman Sane's work that I've just learned and used to try to explain how Christianity came to West Africa. Um, there are, so I think those two are, I mean, my main sources, there are a couple other of, you know, academic articles that I would read just on specific tribes if I wanted to understand, right? Um, and so that's that's mainly a lot of my resources. And as well, just 
I did an experiment of just asking all the uh, my parents' generation of Africans what were the indigenous beliefs because a lot of times it was orally given, right? So if you have you know West African friends, I'd say ask their parents and kind of see you know what they tell you. So if you really really want to know, so I think that's that's awesome and helpful. How can people get in contact contact with you on social media, Abba? Um, so you, Facebook, right? It's my whole name, Abba Siano Udafa. Um, or I think you can look Abba as well. But Abba Udafa, Facebook, Instagram, that's how you can get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think this has been very, very helpful in this understanding and trying to helping people better engage with people and uh, hopefully help them take uh, their questions seriously about this topic. So thank you so yeah. much. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the G3 Project Podcast. As always, you can catch us here every Monday at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the G3 Project Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune in to all our past episodes at www.g3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.